Here 30 podcast where we three dudes from the Midwest pretend our opinions actually matter. The entire point of this podcast is to observe new music that has somehow slipped off our radar. My name is Joe and I'm joined with brothers John and Josh and we're here to shoot the shit for a little bit and talk about albums that may be awesome, that may be terrible. The whole point is that we're listening to them. So first we just kind of want to introduce ourselves, talk for a little bit. And hopefully get to know you. Then we got a couple couple things, and we're gonna talk about some music a little bit later. So first, I would like to introduce my buddy Josh, and he's gonna talk a little bit about himself. Hey everybody, um, I'm a 38 year old white guy from the Midwest. Um, listened to a lot of alternative rock growing up. Uh, although now uh, I'd say most uh, most of what I listen to is uh, usually punk influenced or uh, heavy into the garage rock scene as well, uh, especially a lot of Detroit garage rock bands. Um, but yeah, I, I am all over the place. I mean, that doesn't those two genres uh, aren't all of what I listen to. Uh, big Primus fan here. Uh, a lot a lot of early '90s alternative too, and a lot of the uh, '80s bands that influenced a lot of those bands that uh, had commercial uh, alternative radio success in the '90s. What are some examples of that, Joshy? Oh, like Husker Du, The Replacements. Uh, oh, I'm touching on uh, punkish bands again once once again, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of those uh, a lot of those mid '80s influencers that. Uh, uh, like influenced a lot of the nineties bands that I like. So nice. <clears throat> Gang of four is a big one that I've known you to like for a long time. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're fantastic. Um, the, 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 well, that one's not really on our list cause that, that one's already been well explored, but uh, I have plenty of similar albums I'd love to do on here. Um, this, uh, so uh, another example of, uh, you know, this, this kind of going outside of my, uh, the genres I normally listen to, obviously we're doing a trip hop record today. Um, so that'll what be interesting. Is that Joshy? What's that? What record we, are we listening to? We are listening. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna have to say the name of the band. This is gonna start. This is gonna start the madness. Uh, we will be listening to "Dummy" by Portishead or Portishead or Portishead, depending on how you pronounce it. Um, there, there was a bit of a debate a couple days ago. About, um, we hopped on a call, preliminary call, to kind of iron out some things for this, and there was a bit of a debate. Um, at different points in my life, I've called this band Portishead, and at other points in my life, I've called it Portishead. <laughs> um, but we'll get into that a little bit more later. But yes, we are doing the 1994 classic Dummy by Portishead, or Portishead. Or Tishhead. Or, you know, Already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, so next up, we have Josh's much elderly brother, John. How's it going, Johnny? It's going well. How are you guys doing? We're doing really good. Just 
getting off a little break, getting ready to go back to the grind tomorrow because we're recording this at 9 o'clock on a Sunday night for some reason. No, it's the New Year, right? Are you excited? All is quiet on New Year's Day. <laughs> I almost played that, yeah, as a gag. You didn't play that? That song you is know, amazing. We had, we had company, and so we we're listening to more uh, like group-friendly hits, I'd say. <laughs> uh, so anyways, yeah, my name is John. Uh, I'm 40-year-old white male and uh michigander for about last 30 years of my life see the last uh i couldn't tell you the last cd that i bought the very first cd that i ever purchased was the sap ep by allison james i'm a 90s alt baby as well um that was the bread and butter that's the pride and joy that's uh those are glory days of music to me uh first cassette i ever purchased was was it to the extreme vanilla ice Ooh. Oh man, yeah, good times. I wish I still had that one. No, what, no, I don't. What prompted you to get rid of your cassettes? Uh, it'd actually be uh, Josh's son, uh, my nephew Randall. He uh, was curious. I gave the last dozen or so that I had. I held on to those things for literally decades. If he still has them, great. If he doesn't, that's great too. It was time to pass the torch. I hope he listened to him. Uh, he's got a really good thirst for knowledge. Uh, that yeah. I'm sure will be brought out in this show as well, and uh, I'm sure he made the most of it. Yeah, he he did uh, he did listen to it. He, he thought that it was awesome audio cassettes. Um, the novelty wore off pretty quickly, but he did listen <laughs> to a few of them. It, it was very interesting. It was good that he got some experience with it, because I mean, like you know, you know, Randall's my oldest kid. He, he came in the tail end of video cassettes and audio cassettes, so he was kind of enthralled by the older technology. And now, uh, now of course, uh, there is no physical media, so. Except cassettes are back in a big way. What? Are you kidding? I mean, of course, I am, vinyl's back. Like, cassettes are back? Well, vinyl is really, really back. Cassettes are back totally ironically. But I have, a cousin, sense. I have a cousin who plays in a metal band, and he came out with an album literally on cassette only. Yes. It's a real <laughs> thing. I don't have an audio cassette player anymore. That, that'd be my problem. Like, no, I'm going to need at least a CD, but even CD players are kind of scarce. I have to play on my Xbox or something. So keep in mind, I said he's a metalhead. So that means they all drive older cars that still have cassette decks in them. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> they can't afford anything better. <laughs> oh, the stereotyping. Unbelievable. It's, it's bound to happen, right? <laughs> at least... <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to go there. I was going to make a race comment for a second, but we're just going to leave it at that. Um, so I guess I'll go into myself for a minute. Uh, my name is Joe. I'm a thir- brand new 39-year-old dude from the middle of Michigan. I could say my musical tastes are very eclectic. Uh, Weezer is my favorite band ever, but I love everything from metal to yacht rock to classical I've been listening to some Miles Davis lately. I've been listening to some fucking Slayer lately. I've been listening to a little bit of everything. Uh, I've been married for almost 10 years. I have a five-year-old boy and a brand new dog that I'm sure you guys are going to hear barking at some point throughout this episode. Um, The whole point of this show, and you guys can step in as well if you want, we are not experts about any of this stuff. The whole point is for us to learn and discover new music and hopefully we can be funny and entertaining and if nothing else us dudes are longtime friends and we get to sit and talk about music that we may love or may 
absolutely hate, as we might talk about today. I, I feel it's pandemic friendly too, just to add upon that. I feel it's pandemic friendly also for the fact that, you know, we used to be able to gather and do the exact time, same type of things. And uh, right. I mean, that's fallen by the wayside in 2020 and the early part of 2021. And on top of that, we have our own lives as well too. So just the actual act of gathering in a non-pandemic time, not really happening these days. So this is an awesome outlet for that. I'm excited. Yes. It gives me a chance to actually listen to new music that I've not listened to before. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm just going to listen to the 1,200 Weezer demos that have been leaked lately. <laughs> That's all I will do. Uh, another thing, since we are calling this the Here 30 podcast, which is a play on the term Beer 30, I'm, I'm assuming that alcohol is going to be a major part of this episode and future episodes. So what are you gentlemen drinking tonight? So I guess... Uh, oh, go, go ahead, Josh. Johnny, <laughs> Johnny oh, no, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, but you. No, you go. Okay. So um, are we doing plugs? Are these like free plugs? Should we be even naming them? I mean, I'm, I'm going to go for it. Okay. We might oh, get Kirk- sponsors. I, I can guarantee we're going to get sponsors. <laughs> I mean, it's a fail-safe measure. Kirkland... Canadian whiskey and Coca-Cola. That's it. I can't do the beer. I want to do the beer. I can't voice. Uh, the body doesn't like it. I like it. They don't like me back. So it's alcoholic beverage 30 for you. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm a kind of cheating system a little. <laughs> what about you, Joshy? So I uh, stopped by the local quality dairy today and got myself a uh, Sierra Nevada Celebration Fresh Hop IPA. Um, I'm, a, I'm a very big fan of IPAs. And I, um, of course, I've tried Torpedo and they have like what the double IPA Torpedo version. Um, but I've never tried the Celebration Fresh Hop IPA and it is pretty darn tasty. It's not, not, quite, as, uh, not quite as bitter as those other uh, Sierra Nevada IPAs, but it's, it's pretty good. Is there a particular I uh, like IPA that you enjoy most? Uh, probably Huma Huma uh, Huma Lupalicious by uh, Shorts Brew up there in uh, oh what's the, where, where are they officially out of Bel Air? They're out of Bel Air, Bel Air, Michigan. One thing to note is that we are all pretty big Ween fans, so Shorts Brewery is a a, a legendary place for us because they've had. Diener play up there a couple of times, and lots of their menu items are named after Ween songs and Ween members. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. Nice. I want to touch back on your drink, John. That's Kirkland brand that you're drinking. Yes, sir. That's like the Costco variety, I believe. Is it good? Oh, my goodness. They nail it on the vodka front. They nail it on the Canadian whiskey front. They nail it on the rum front. Uh, They don't do wrong. I can vouch for the vodka. We, I, I, I don't buy hard alcohol like ever, but we bought some over the holidays for some vanilla extract that we were homemaking and, <laughs> and we bought some of the vodka and it was cheap and it was tasty. Like so how did the vanilla extract turn out? I'm just curious without going into too much of a side road. Actually quite good. Like it ages. So it's something that the more it sits, the more it gets better. But even I tried some right away up against some that we actually bought and it was really good. Good. I would would vouch for it. And as for my drink, I'm also drinking some Sierra Nevada. I'm drinking a hot bullet WIPA. It is quite good. It's not quite as good as my favorite uh, IPA, which is the two hearted standard 
classic. Cannot go wrong for us Michiganders. I'm drinking it. vicariously to the both of you boys. I love the <laughs> IPA. I love the hop game. Those are those are long gone days, but they were cherished. So I suppose you could say this episode is brought to us by Sierra Nevada. Such a tasty, tasty beverage. <laughs> Call us. <laughs> I am not afraid to sell out. I'm I'm not that punk. <laughs> Corporate Joey. So before we start getting into the albums, is there anything you guys are wanting to touch on? Any any little nuggets or notes or just ideas? Anything you want to say to our fans, our future fans, our fans that have already left us before we even start? So we probably should get the name of the band sorted out. Uh, j- just because we're going to be using the name of the band a lot the rest of the episode, and we should probably... Uh, decide on the uh, appropriate pronunciation now or do we all go with a different pronunciation so everybody can be right well <laughs> well i did want to uh play play a clip uh so even though portishead only has three records and their latest record came out in 2008 a long dozen years ago uh they did have there there was a little joke in a modern uh modern cinema masterpiece Zombieland 2 double tap where they talk about portishead for about 15 seconds and they actually in the 15 seconds that they talk about portishead they talk about how to properly pronounce the band's name now uh as I mentioned earlier, we did have a little huddle meeting earlier this week where there was a little bit of debate on what the appropriate pronunciation was. And I said, hey, there's a Hollywood movie that agrees with me and says that it's pronounced Portishead. And therefore, I am right. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, who, who are their sources? <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, but uh, so uh, my wife and I last night watched Zombie Land 2 Double Tap again, and I actually recorded the 15 seconds from the movie. And it turns out, I, uh, I guess I didn't remember it correctly. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg's character, Columbus, actually disagrees with me on the pronunciation of the band's name. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to play it uh, through my uh, headset mic here real quick, and we'll see how it goes. Okay, I'm so go. excited. Yes. All right. All right, so there it is. So, um, so per per Jesse Eisenberg's character Columbus, he went to a Portishead show. And Beth Gibbons herself corrected him on the pronunciation of the band, and it is Portishead. Interesting. I was incorrect. I, I, I thought that he was arguing that it's pronounced Portishead. I was I was wrong. I could have been wrong. Because I was gonna I was gonna argue in a strong way that it was Portishead because I hopped on the YouTube's. Tra- so I learned that the name Portishead is actually based off a a town in England. And so I watched a travel video of somebody going to the town and everybody pronounced it Portishead. I couldn't find any audio. (laughs) I couldn't find any audio of the band actually talking about it because it's weird for a band to actually talk about the band name. But. (laughs) So, boys, I actually did find that clip. Band member, founding band member, Jeff Barrow. There's a clip out there on YouTube where he does reference the band name and he is pronouncing it Portishead. So maybe it's an, perhaps it's an interchangeable thing. 
these wacky Englanders, who knows, man? So port sheet it is. Well, I have, so yeah, I've been I've officially been corrected. Um, uh, I, I guess I uh, blame, well, I, uh, we're going to get into the uh, history of the band here in just a second. So I guess I'll save that story for a little bit, but uh, I'll blame my wife for my mispronunciation. I originally thought it was Portishead. She convinced me otherwise. And and now it turns out, yeah, I was right in the first place as per usual. It's a, it's a okay. There's nothing malicious about it. Actually, what came to mind is the Seinfeld war. What is it good for? Uh, inside a joke. So deep cut. Like, yeah, but she's not out. She wasn't out to get it. She actually thought that's what it was. Yeah. And evidently you found some other supporting evidence for it. So, again, it could be interchangeable. Well, and so something I wanted to point out to the both of you, and you might not have noticed it, but um, in the first 20 seconds of Mr. Ron's, they say the name of the band. What? Yes. Yeah. They, they, so that, that they're scratching yes. someone yes. saying the name of the band. Correct. In the very first track. Three times. And it's kind of hard to hear. I even played it for Angela a couple times. And here's the thing, too, is I, I knew that. I knew that in, uh, you know, first 20 seconds of Mr. Ons, they say the name of the band. But when I thought it was Portishead, I heard the guy saying Portishead. And now that I know it's Portishead, I hear the guy saying Portishead. It's messed up. <laughs> but anyway, you might want to check that out. First 20 seconds of the record, they say the name. So, theoretically, for this podcast... The whole point is us for us to listen to albums that we've not really paid attention to before. This album, because it's our first episode, we kind of had to make some executive decisions. So we, we and we're probably going to do this for the first couple of episodes. Then eventually we're going to hit some type of randomizer. So we're hoping for input from the fans to give us some sources and some ideas for being able to come up with some randomized albums. But for now, we're kind of Every one of us has known this album. I personally have only listened to it once before this week. Johnny, what's your history with this album? I think twice. And then Sour Times on the radio, not ad nauseum, circa 1994, 1995. And maybe, I don't know, shot if I'm listening to some, some classic 90s alt station since then. It holds up well still, but beyond that, and like the one or two listens, not I got no history. It's oh, really interesting. We last uh, last night when me and my wife go to sleep, we usually listen to Sugar Rose because it helps us fall asleep at night. So last night she put on a Sugar Rose station, and a Portishead song came on, and I've never heard Portishead come up in just random conversation in my life. It's always been very direct, like. I'm listening to a podcast where they're talking about Portishead or I'm reading an article where they're talking about Portishead, but this just randomly came on. So it's starting to, to creep in. Right on. Joshy, what, what's your history? Um, so my very first experience with, with Portishead was, um, and I don't remember too much about it, but it, they must've been like promoting dummy. Cause I remember being like super young. Uh, I, I was 12 in 1994 and I remember one of the late night shows had them on as a musical guest. And, you know, I didn't have a lot of entertainment options back then. I was super excited. Like, Hey, I've never heard of this band. Let's give them, you know, let's give them a listen. And all I remember is that young Josh was not a big Portishead fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, I, I remember thinking like, oh, wow, yeah, she has a really, really pretty voice. And I thought that the music was just really, really strange and, and not into it. But I do remember seeing that. I think they must have been on Leno or Letterman or something like that. But anyway, not into it. And then uh, fast forward 22 or 23 years, <laughs> um, 
and uh, I'm hanging out with my wife. You know, we're like wrapping up the night. So we go out into the garage and we're sharing a cigarette. She's telling me about what she did that day. And she, you know, she said, I, you know, I stumbled onto some top 10 lists of like some of the darkest albums out there. And uh, have you ever heard of this band named Portishead? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I've never heard of a band named Portishead. And then she, she brings up her phone and basically shows me the cover of Dummy by Portishead. And I said, oh, you mean, oh, you mean Portishead? Yes, yes, I have heard of them. I'm not really familiar with their music, but yes, I, I am familiar. Uh, you know, like I, I, I've seen, I've seen the name of the band. Whenever I'm in the record store, I have to go past Portishead to get the Primus. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I see, I see their records a lot. Um, and then she proceeded, she proceeded to play me Rhodes, which is, uh, I guess we're getting into the, uh, we're getting into the songs on the record now. But uh, yeah, she played me Rhodes uh, out there in the garage, and I, I would say it was probably about one to two minutes into that song where I, I realized like, I need to listen to this entire record. This is, this is some really great stuff. And after that, like, you know, a Angela doesn't listen to Portishead very much, but she was the one who introduced me to it. And she kind of created a monster. I've, I've listened to them a ton over the past few years. So yeah, uh, my, my wife is credited with putting them on my radar. That is awesome. Yeah. Do you remember when they were on Saturday Night Live? They were on Saturday Night Live. I remember it happening and I hated it. I thought it was the worst <laughs> thing ever. So I went to dig into it a little bit. It was when Sarah Michelle Geller hosted it in 19... It was either 97 or 98. I was looking up two different episodes this week that were right around then. Oh, I was looking up the Henry Rollins episode as well with Pamela Anderson on it. And when Henry Rollins was just a complete badass like Henry Rollins is. But I remember watching that clip and just hating it because back in 98 you know you know me i was mr marilyn manson i was mr corn i was mr metallica fuck yeah metallica. you're still kind of mr metallica still a little bit john you weren't here for the conversation that we had before you even got on where we were talking about metallica <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i can believe it um i just remember a high pitch kind of ghosty looking lead singer, not really digging the music, not digging anything else about it. I couldn't even tell you what songs they played. I'm guessing it was probably after the next album, but all I know is as, as an almost 40 year old is that they were at least big enough to play SNL and SNL's heyday. So that's something. So yeah, it kind of surprises me. And yeah, if it was 98, then yeah, they were probably playing tracks off the self-titled record, which is also very good, but I'll touch on that more later. So do you guys just want to get into it? Or do you, do you want to talk about like baking cookies and, and puppies and stuff? But let's go ahead and get into it. All righty. Since Josh, you have a lot of history, do you want to talk a little bit about the band and their story and who they are? Ooh, I wasn't pre really preparing to do the, the history lesson on them, but... Uh, Good thing we have Wikipedia, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I mean, these this is the band that popularized trip-hop, um, and... Uh, uh, How would you define trip-hop? Ooh, um, big, big beats. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, I don't know, I guess it's kind of hard to put into words... Uh, I mean, lots of, well, in, in this case, you know, a decent amount of sampling, uh, lots of keyboards, really, really big hip hop style beats. Um, that, that's the main, the main touchstones, in my opinion. 
And uh, I guess, uh, uh, tr so Trip Hop, the ground zero for Trip Hop is uh, Bristol, England, which is just a stone's throw away from Portishead. Um, the other big uh, Trip Hop band, one of the other really big Trip Hop bands, Massive Attack, is also based out of there. Um, Jeff Barrow has, uh, Jeff Barrow of uh, Portishead has produced one of their records. Um, and actually, I did a bit of exploring on them this, uh, this week as well. Um, uh, Portishead is actually not the biggest trip hop band as far as uh, records sold. Uh, Massive Attack would be that band with 13 million uh, discs moved. Uh, but anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. That pretty much the two biggest trip hop bands out there um, from the exact same town. And it's actually referred to as the Bristol Sound uh, uh, coming out of Bristol, England around that time. Um, uh, Dummy was their debut album in 1994. Um, they became a band in 1991. Uh, Dummy is, uh, I mean, it's very highly regarded amongst critics and pretty much everyone. Um, you know, five-star reviews abound. Uh, can't remember where it's currently ranked on the top 500. It, it moved up uh, in the 2020 revision of uh, Rolling Stone's top 500. It moved up from 419 in 2012 to 131 in 2020. So obviously it's, uh, it's moving in the right direction. Um, but yeah, sorry. I, I was kind of meandering there. Uh, <laughs> anyone want to add anything else? <laughs> what did you think of Massive Attack? Um, so, so yeah, uh, being that I, um, unlike most episodes where we would mainly be new to the record, I've listened to, uh, I've listened to Dummy by Portishead a ton of times. So I did listen to it a few times this week, but I didn't really need to uh, study it inside out. I heard it a million times. Uh, but I did listen to the first three Massive Attack records because I was, I was interested, you know, like I mean, these bands are kind of linked. They're from the same town. Um, Massive Attack has actually sold more records. Um, I liked all three of them. Um, I think that if you are a fan of Portishead, you will probably also be a fan of Massive Attack. Um, most people in the States, they're probably, um, probably the Massive Attack song they've heard before is um, uh, Angel, uh, which was uh, prominently featured in Snatch by Guy Ritchie. Um, you know, uh, the, the scene where uh, Brad Pitt's character, Mickey, um, the, the gangsters burn his mom's trailer down and uh, in the background they play, they, they play that really awesome song by Massive Attack. And uh, yeah, um, very, very, very similar to Portishead and I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was a powerful I, I, scene of the movie too. Yep, I recall. Yeah, yeah. So my guess is like, yeah, if, if, <laughs> if uh, you're in the good old US of A and you've heard a Massive Attack song, chances are it's Angel, which is uh, track one off their third record. Um, which um, gets very, very, a lot of people consider their third record mezzanine to be their best record. And I would tend to agree. Yeah. Um, I'd say that the main difference between the bands uh, being that uh, Massive Attack, they'll bring in a lot of like uh, female guest singers to uh, sing tracks, but uh, the, the two males in the band also sing a lot of the tracks as well. And it's a little uh, dancier and, and faster and maybe a bit more uh, repetitive, I would say, than Porter said. Yep. More so, repetitive I, than Portishead? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is possible. <laughs> we'll call that a big nope for me then. <laughs> so is that an issue with you, Joey? Repetition? Repetition? Yes. Sometimes, not always. Like certain bands that I like, repetition is key. One band that we all like, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, rely on repetition and for some reason like the pulsating and thumping and i can't get enough of the repetition but when it's a little slower a little bit more meandery 
the repetition kind of wears on me a little bit more. There's like there's one song in this album that has just like one chord throughout the whole thing, and it it I'm not I'm not immediately ripping on the album by the way, but sometimes the repetition gets to me. Okay, so soul coughing comes to mind for me, right? I mean, Very I mean, I mean, they're I not twin bands. I wouldn't go as far as saying something like that, but repetition is a key ingredient and me it worked it, it worked really really well for both for sure uh the other big point that i just want to take away from it um and there's a really i guess there's a 33 and a third uh book based on this album you know i love that particular series of books based off of albums did not know that they actually created one for dummy very interested and in it. it was uh, written by rj wheaton just reading excerpts from that book he brought about really good points i was trying to get to the get to the minutia as to the, the bottom of why I like it so much. And so much of it is the contrast, right? You have, you have her very paper thin, beautiful voice is hanging on. It's, it's very, very light. And, you know, um, this light, it, it sounds very beautiful. And then going up against real, real bass heavy music. So you got both those elements and it, it drives uh, anxiety in a good way. Um, it's just really, really good music. It's stuff I'm not really accustomed to hearing. You're not accustomed to hearing good music? <laughs> music with those kind of contrasts, Joe. You're talking big bass, light, beautiful female vocals. That's, that's usually not my not in my wheelhouse. But this being hey, as, as a general history, you tend not to like a lot of female singers. You tend not to like a lot of very bass forward hip hop kind of stuff, right? Correct. That's usually not my bag. Uh, I'd actually pigeonhole, pigeonhole is a bad word. I, I'd put her in like the whole Nina person from Cardigan's um, Chrissy Hine category. Is like her voice is just fantastic. I can, I can keep on listening to that type of music and that type of vocals. Me and Annie were driving, listening to a couple songs yesterday. And she's like, she kind of sounds like, what would happen if Amy Lee and Tori Amos mixed together? That's a brilliant assessment. I like that a lot. I, I can hear the Amy Lee for sure. Mm-hmm. But Tori Amos has this carelessness to her voice that Beth Gibbons absolutely plays into. My goodness. Yeah, I'm curious as to her solo career too, like whatever side projects she's done beyond those three albums. Um, it holds up really well, that voice. So I actually listened to one of her solo projects. She does. She did an album like last year with a Polish symphony where she sings classical, and it's she sings in Polish, and, but it's it's straight classical music. But her voice was really beautiful, really mature sounding, and it sounds like she put a lot of time and effort into making it sound heartfelt and and just beautiful, like playing with a symphony should allow you to do um can totally believe it would love to check that out have either of you checked out any of their stuff live like have you ever played sour times live at like a major festival that they've performed at um so they actually have their um big live record uh the live at roseland in new york city roseland ballroom yeah, it came out in 2009, um, and you can find the full video, at least uh, as of the time of this recording, uh, January 3rd, 2021, you can easily find the entire uh, concert uploaded to YouTube. Um, 
So there was a hard cut there because we had some technical difficulties because this is our inaugural episode of the podcast, but we have since dealt with them. It's about 25 minutes later and we are back. So we're starting to get into the nuts and bolts a little bit of Dummy by Portishead. We were learning about their live album and what Beth's solo stuff was kind of like. What do you think of the album, John? Just let's let's kind of hear it. Give me give me some thoughts. Yeah, we just jogged my memory from the intermission we just took, right? So I was asking as to whether or not you fellas, and I'm assuming Josh has because he referenced the, the Roseland uh, concert, but like her voice, like especially on um, Sour Times, like the way they do that live, like they slow it down, they make it more jazzier, and then like her voice is built up that much more and like soulful and emotional toward the end of it. It's it's a beautiful thing. Like the live version of that song is also awesome. I was able to catch a live version of her doing Rhodes and it had a full like symphony with her. And they they extended that awesome Rhodes piano intro that where it warbles back and forth yeah. and they kind of extended that out for like 30, 40 seconds. And it was really cool, but her so voice good. was awesome on it. Christine, man. Um, yeah, so getting back to your question, I, I love the album in full. Um, there wasn't really like a, a weak spot. I would imagine probably the uh, track that I like least on it. Ironically, I like to think out of the three of us, I have the, I tend to have like jazz tendencies a bit more than you fellas. I think that's safe to say. And I, I think the one, that uses a very standard jazz sample. It's, it's pedestal for me. I think that's that's the song that I like the least, but even still, that's also a fantastic song. It's just more of like a, how a typical song is structured and uh, that, that, that's about as nondescript as, as they get. Um, the standout track for me was Strangers, like what they do at the beginning of Strangers, like uh, how unbelievably slow and what they do with the pacing and have her voice elevate that song. It's it, it's a beautiful thing. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the album, and I'm looking forward to listening to the other two. What do you think about the opening track, Mysterions, Josh? Oh, I absolutely love the track. Um, I was uh, I was thinking earlier today is uh, is if there's such a thing as a theremin virtuoso. Um, I think that'd be kind of a cool concept. I want to see like the greatest theremin player ever. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, uh, Mr. On, it start, uh, I, I think it's just pronounced Mr. Ons. Who knows with this band? I'm having trouble pronouncing the band's name even. But uh, I'm just rolling on my notes, which are probably. <laughs> <the> songs, <so. laughs> but, but yeah, I love the opening track. I mean, it sets you up for the rest of the record. Exactly, you know, exactly what to expect. I think, and yeah, absolutely love it. I, I, I thought that was kind of interesting, John, that you had mentioned. You you remember hearing Sour Times on Alternative Rock Radio. Yeah. I don't remember hearing any Portishead when I was young on Alternative Rock Radio. So What makes me angry cool. is like jumping on YouTube. I, I guess the video had a lot of MTV airplay and you can't find it. If you can, you're struggling balls to find it. I, I couldn't easily access it. Did either of you guys attempt to do the same uh, same feat? I didn't actually shoot for music videos per se. I know that I saw that they had a couple out there, but I was more interested in live stuff to see how it translated. So like, uh, let me know if either of you guys are, are, if this band touches you on this front, right? Like, so the cover art of the band of, of that album 
is a, a picture, a, a still shot of a film that they did. So it's a picture of Beth Gibbons in the film, the short film, To Kill a Dead Man. Are do you guys interested in catching this band on like a visual aspect? So what that what happened with that particular short film is that's what got them the record deal, essentially. So would, would you I like would to see be that? Interested in seeing it, definitely. Put to moving picture. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. To be interested. <laughs> <laughs> so like, no, just a straight note. <laughs> you know, this is a beautiful segue as to asking the big question in the room. Joey, did you enjoy this album? Generally speaking, yes. But my 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 flaws are heavy. And you see them in this opening track. Starts off beautiful, pulsating vibrato guitar. The beat kicks in. Sounds pretty good. Then you get... <laughs> and it takes me right out. <laughs> then her voice comes in. And it sounds pretty good. Wow. <laughs> comes back in, takes me out. That's that's really, like, I have like six pages of notes. Four of them are complaining about the samples. <laughs> that's one of the things I like most about the band. Yes, man. yes, they nail it. Absolutely, because a lot of them are, are like throwback timeless classics, right? You're, you're going to get back to like the 60s and 70s. I mean, the big underlying theme of our times is from a uh, uh, James Bond movie, right? So... It's cool. I'm a nostalgic type of guy anyway, so if you're using old beats and they sound completely chill like that, then I'm just going to lap it up. Is Johnny Ray's I'll Never Love Again a classic sample? Uh, no, actually, that's one I didn't even vet out. Like, i seen the name on it. No, I, I imagine that's probably like a low light for you. Is that safe to say? Because if you're not big on the repetitive front, obviously they use that one an awful lot, and they put it at different spots, and like we're the DJ's breaking it and all that. So I can imagine that probably wasn't your cup of tea. So basically where this album comes in, it has some very, very, very high highs for me. Like some, some, some eights and nines out of tens. But then there's some songs that kind of just, there's like a lull. And I, I, I just want the song to get over with. Then the next song comes on and I fucking love it. Then I get bored again. Then... Then there's some killer tracks. Then I hate the next song. A conflicted man, yes. But the question, like, actually, let's kind of move on to the next track, Sour Times, one that Johnny has referenced quite a bit. The guitars are sweet. I love the guitars in that song. Like, I, generally speaking, I think that's a great song. There's, you got, like, some kind of twangy spaghetti western style yep. guitars so it kind of sounds like like clint eastwood movie but then she's really really sad like her lyrics are really sad and you got these dancey beats so like who is this for are you dancing while you're crying and wearing a cowboy hat is that kind of what's going on so I respectfully disagree with you saying that they're dancey beats. I don't think this is like shake your ass music, anything you can even really groove to. That's not the vibe I picked up on. So one reference that I caught when I was reading reviews for this album over the week, they were talking about how many teenagers in 1997 used this as an album to fuck to. That is wild. And 
I, I latched <laughs> on that and I don't see it at all because I correct. I also so don't. depressing. Yes. Yeah, like none of none of the lyrics on any of this record, like they're all super downer lyrics. I mean, I told you that Angela heard about this record because of you know, how dark of a record it is. I mean, these are not feel good lyrics. No. Depressing themes, depressing tones. That is really crazy. I mean, I, I completely believe what you're stating, but that's nothing I can relate to. Doesn't even in the name of the genre, trip hop, doesn't that kind of imply something you nod your head to and dance a little bit? Like the hop? Internally? I, I, okay, let's pretend we're, we're putting ourselves out at a Portisette concert. How much are we really moving, really? I, I, I just don't see it happening. I'm, I'm throwing down, man. <laughs> in the in the Roseland uh, concert, you could see some people, you know, getting into it a little bit. Of course, it's, you know, like they're all seated and whatnot. There's a lot of people bobbing their heads and whatnot. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I do want to correct something I said earlier. I said Jeff Barrow uh, produced a Massive Attack record. He produced a Tricky record. Tricky is one of the members of Massive Attack and also one of the biggest trip hop artists out there. So. I did so, not know he was actually in Massive Attack. I I knew Tricky was part of the genre but i did not know that he was in massive attack yep and so yeah i misspoke jeff barrow did not produce a massive attack record he produced a, one of tricky's records i ha i have not explored tricky i got to imagine it's very very similar to massive attack but i have, have not had a chance to reach out uh, into that yet does this feel like a genre that can branch out and get exciting for you or does it feel like like shoegaze where a lot of it is very similar it has to be similar for it to be that genre well, I, so I have listened to the first three Massive Attack records, and they are definitely a much different animal than Portishead. Um, like, like I said, you know, they they do bring in some female guest singers on some stuff, but it's mainly the two male members of Massive Attack singing. It, it's more dancey, and it, it, it's what I would I would compare it more to like traditional techno type music, I guess. Um, anyway, I, I, I think that if you like Portishead, you should definitely Portishead. I'm sorry old habits um, okay. <laughs> uh, I, I have a feeling well i would definitely recommend checking out uh massive attack i mean the first three records were excellent their first record blue lines is supposed to be a classic and it actually predates um dummy by a good three years um but yeah i, I thought it was i thought it was pretty darn good i have listened to mezzanine before but it'd probably be a candidate for this show because i've listened to it like once yeah, actually, so um, I, I, you know, doing a little research on Massive Attack, you know, Portishead has one record on the uh, Rolling Stone 500. Massive Attack has two: Blue Lines, their first record, which I had already mentioned, and then Mezzanine, uh, which came out in 1998. So, so yeah, they they are potential uh, potential albums for a future episode. So this was going on at the same time as the Britpop, the the Blur Oasis thing, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think I know what you're driving at. Like, if you look at the bands that uh, you know Portishead beat to win that Mercury Award, they pretty much beat the two biggest uh, Britpop uh, artists at the time, Blur and Oasis. They beat both of them. And I believe that you know, like, um, that, that would have been going up against uh, Oasis's first record. Um, I can't remember which Blur record it's going up against, but I have a feeling that one's considered a classic as well. So, I mean, they were they they beat some pretty big records to. Um, to get that award. Wow. Well, I was, I was impressed by the artists that they beat. Cause I mean, you're, you're talking about blur and Oasis, like pretty much at the, not maybe not, maybe not the height of their popularity, but they were definitely in the zone at the, at that point, both those artists. 
only awards meant the album was actually good. Yeah, I mean, over here across the <laughs> pond, right? Those are bigger named acts here in the States, right? I mean, more so the Oasis than Blur, but yeah, it, it's it, it's fascinating. To, I, I've always been fascinated by that, like what, what hits overseas and what hits over here and what doesn't and the, the disconnects there. I think Oasis was bigger overseas. Like they play like stadiums, like they, they played Wembley and they played some oh. huge... Yeah, absolutely. No, I was getting at as far as like those bands in comparison here, right? Oh. So just comparing Oasis to like the Blurs of the world to to Portishead, Massive yeah. Attack. Yeah, in America, yeah. Blurs the song two band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think uh, Dummy would have went up against Park Life by Blur, which a lot of people consider to be Blur's best record, but Dummy, Correct. Dummy yeah. beat it. So, so Joey, right. do you do you remember Sour Times as a kid? No. No the radio only, play. Literally, the only old reference that I have to them is them on SNL hating it. It was like, a, to me, it was like an oasis. Like when, it, not pun intended, right? It was like a, a refreshing take on alternative music at the time because I always pegged that song with like uh, uh, Six Underground by Sneaker Pants or something like that, where we had like really cool female vocals and really cool beats, and it was uh, atypical of anything else you were hearing out of the. 90s grunge scene or anything else you'd get on modern rock modern alt rock radio at that time were the sneaker pimps considered trip hop because they definitely have those hip-hop elements in it it definitely gives me that that vibe that feel i don't know anything beyond that song really and then the the, the collaboration they do on the, the spawn soundtrack right like i don't think you're right in that they are considered a trip hop but yeah yeah the group synthesis of trip hop and glam inspired rock I, I did explore Sneaker Pimps a little bit after getting into Portishead just because, you know, I, I viewed them as being very similar. Um, I, I didn't get too far into it. I think I listened to their first record a couple of times and then probably moved right back to Portishead. But it, it wasn't bad. It's just I it just didn't, you know, keep me, keep my attention. Right. Yeah. So what do you think about the next song, Strangers? It's it's the gold standard. That's that's my favorite song. I I can't tell you how many times I listened to the album in the last week. Uh, Joey and I, you, we talked about this before as far as how many, what happens to you when I listen to music, right? Like I have that phobia of burning out a record. So if, you know, we talk about King Gizzard, right? Something just broke ground. I don't want to, I don't want the magic to just dwindle. So I'm not going to play that into the ground. Uh, so this is like a different way for me to, uh, digest music and it wasn't really a bad thing and I didn't get sick of these songs at all I, uh, especially with the opening of the track Strangers it, it is so drop dead gorgeous like the way that comes comes across I don't mind the sample at the beginning uh, it actually has uh, jazz fusion roots too I guess that's uh, Weather Report so it kind of makes me inspired to, to check out like their scene too because they're supposed to be uh, quite a name for themselves in that particular genre as well, but that, this is the standout track for me. Yeah, my my thing with Weather Report is they have one of the best bass players of all time at one point. His name is Jaco Pastorius. Yes, very unique name. I've seen that one too. <laughs> He's one of those legends that died way too young, and his name even got bigger when he died. So my main note for the song Strangers were I love the drum groove. It was the first real drum groove that I just loved on this record. But then there's too many beeps and boops. 
and I it would make the song twenty percent better if they weren't there. <laughs> I like the beeps okay. and boops. Yeah, <laughs> I was drawn to the beeps and the boops. I came for the beeps, but I stayed for the boops. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, that's that's going to be a reoccurring theme throughout the album. Some of the samples just drive me nuts. Like it reminds me like I'm listening to like an Avalanche's record or something, but. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh. Avalanches are goofy. This is not goofy, so I feel like the the hurts don't like fit for me. Avalanches aren't always goofy though. That's I don't true. know if you listen the most recent, but yeah, I mean it, it, it tends to be. Rivers has a song on the newest Avalanches record, John. I have to check that out. I guess I never really get past track three or four. Like I really enjoyed the opening three or four of that album, and I I tune out. Same thing with their first recording too. I, li- I like the River song a lot, actually. I've listened to it three or four times. I'll have to, I'll have to double back on that. Basically, he's Jesus incarnated as a songwriter. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that. I might edit that one out. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. <laughs> so, Josh, what was your, what was your takeaway from Strangers? Well, I'm with you. It's one of one of my more favorite tracks on the record. I love the beat, love everything about it. Um, I mean, I, I don't. I was going to touch on lyrical content, but it's pretty much the same for every single song. Like, hey, really, really depressing lyrics. Um, but yeah, Strangers. Uh, it's definitely one of my favorite tracks on the record. I, I think there's only about two tracks that I would say I'm not crazy about on this record. The rest of it's all all killer in my opinion. And yeah, yep. Strangers is definitely on the uh, better side of that. I actually find this one uh, lyrically. One of the least depressing songs, but even yeah, it still goes with the theme of the entire album. I'd imagine the catalog of the band too. So when I listen to music, I tend to be very music first, lyric centric. So getting into an album lyrically is a bit tougher for me. And this was an album where that was the case. Like I was reading through the lyrics and they felt very cryptic to me. Some some were very on the nose and some were very cryptic. And the cryptic ones, I maybe I'm just not good at reading it as poetry or whatnot, but those cryptic ones I had a harder time getting into, I think. The ones where she was more on the nose were the songs that I tend to like more. Gotcha. But more forthright, direct. Right. All right. So with It Could Be Sweet, <laughs> Beth's vocals were just awesome. Like, that's one of the songs where I felt like her vocals really, really shined. But the samples sound like you're hitting like an old keyboard in the 90s where like they just sounded like cheap. They didn't sound like I don't know what they were sampling, but it sounded like like you bought like a $20 Walmart keyboard and they were just hitting random buttons on the percussion setting. So in, in more recent reviews of this album, things that I've been finding and just trying to gauge other people's opinions on this album is that they still find it like fresh it's not like a dated sound but so i'd be curious as to what you would have thought about this if you had listened to it back in like 94 assuming you liked you know the trip hop if you can get into something like that so Joe, joey's brain in 2020 in 1994 listen to it then and now listen to it in 2020 whether or not you you would have found it dated then you know All right those were new those were even those sounds on the keyboard were kind of new then. So I'm assuming it would have sounded a lot more fresh to me. And that, that was really the only case where it felt like they were using like a dated sample in my mind. Yeah. Like, 
That, that was actually one of my favorite samples on the entire album. Like that particular one for it could be sweet. Like I don't know if either of you boys have ever spent time in like a really good hotel. <laughs> so I'm making it sound like like hotel elevator music, but like really good hotel elevator music. I know how weird that sounds, but what I relate it to, like everything that leads right up until like the yeah the the, the squeaks that come in, right? Is it damn 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 damn? That's the exact sample that I'll yeah. So, but but like the like the tones that come in right before that, I think that's really pretty. Then we got the shining star of the record for me, wandering star. That's my song. Why is that I, your song, Joey? I have a whole page of notes just on that song. If you're paying right. attention, bring it up. I'm ready. <laughs> well. It really comes down to, I really like the lyrics on that one. The line, and the time that I will suffer less is when I never, is when I never have to wake. That line is very intense. That's like a Tom Waits lyric. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's insane. But that's easily my most listened to song on the album. I'm not saying it's my favorite, but it's my most listened to. I kept on wanting to go back to that beat, that, that. Doom, 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 doom. I like that. Wandering star for who yeah, it like is deserved. Yeah, reserved. Yeah. Really, really like that groove. And that that um keyboard at the end when the organ comes in. I just want to like sit in that moment for like 10 minutes. That's a case where the repetition like feels good to me. Yeah. But I wish I wish I liked the repetition more on other songs, but that particular one, that and like that sweet little single note, guitar part that is played throughout that album or that sure. song. That's my song. That's one of the songs that I just love. I do enjoy that one as well. Joshy. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of my uh, more favorite ones on the record too. Um, I just love, uh, like, I don't know, I, I, I view that there, you know, I think there are some songs on this record where, like, they're firing on all cylinders and, like, they've got a lot of layers going on. And then there are some songs that are more stripped down, more, you know, a, a little simpler, like, it could be sweet and it's a fire to an extent. Um, but Wandering Star is definitely one of the, those bigger songs on the record, a lot more going on. And, yeah, absolutely love it. It's definitely one of my favorite on the record. Nice, nice, nice. But then the next song also has an organ on it and i hate it i i would say it's a fire is probably the song i like the least on the whole record no kidding I mean, yeah it's still, a, it's still a great song i mean i'm choosing like the worst song on, on a great record so um i mean the vocals are still amazing and everything it, uh, this song just didn't do much for me and um one other thing that okay so this song's a little weird for me because i don't know what happened but when i first i first started listening to this record I was listening to a version of it that didn't have it's a fire on it. So, and then, and then all of a sudden, so like it comes out of nowhere two years. I don't know. So that kind of threw me for a loop. Like, you know, I was used to listening to this record without that song and with it, it you know, and then like it magically appears. I don't know what happened with, you know, Google, Google play music, now YouTube music at the time, but I swear their version of, uh, of dummy didn't have it's a fire on it. And now for some reason, you know, it's like an interloper track for me. I'm like, you're not a part of the real record. Get out of here. 
So uh, I think it depends on the region where the release was. I was reading about that too. Like that's not in like the UK release or something like certain regional releases did not have that song. That was just added on after the fact. Okay, well, that kind of solves the mystery for me. But so yeah, I think a, you know a part of it is that that I'm I was so used to hearing this record without "It's a Fire," and then when it got you know inserted into the record, um, I it just wasn't a really strong track, and I, I could do without it. If memory serves, I want to say that's a Beth song from that predated Portishead as well. It has a little bit of an older, uh, more of a history to it. Gotcha. Yeah. My main, I have two notes for that song. First one is Beth is a prophet. We're sitting here in 2021 <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic. And she says the lines, I can't breathe through this mask like a fool. How it's hard not to that? have that line resonate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that one really clicked with my ears right away, too. But then my next note is, next. <laughs> <laughs> next song. <laughs> <laughs> Insert Tenacious D clip there. Yeah, there we go. There's some sound bites there. Or not. Maybe I'll be lazy. Who the fuck cares? <laughs> This is our podcast. We can do whatever we want. That's I don't the want, beauty of it all. I don't want Jack Black to sue me for ripping off Tenacious D stuff. I'd hope he'd have better things to do. Or maybe Cage would sue me because he's the one that's probably hurting for money. I don't know. I see him in acting gigs here and there. I think he's, I think he keeps busy too. But then not, who is keeping busy in these days? I saw Jables got casted for some movie where he had to shave his head. It's like one of those... Dragon Ball Z anime movies that they're going to be redoing in the United States, I guess. One of the one of the ones that people really, really like that me being a 40-year-old man doesn't know or have watched. Well, I hope it does well for him. I'm sure you wouldn't do it if the paycheck wasn't nice. <laughs> All righty, we got numb. Make the scratching stop. <laughs> So you're telling me you didn't like that seventh inning at like a, a ballpark, you know, organ, like pipe organ coming through, or any of that stuff, like the old timey uh, organ that's going on. That, that's what made me feel like that uh, a sample that kept on going throughout that song. I, I liked it. And that's actually one of the better songs on the album to me too. And I think it's my favorite of the three singles. I go that far off. That song was a single? What? Yeah. Yeah, it was the first single released off the record, uh, June 6, 1994. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you, John. I, I absolutely love this song. It's it's definitely uh, one of the better tracks on the record and a great single. Yeah. Why does her voice sound so different? Like she sings very differently on that song. She sings kind of nasally or something. What's the deal? Yeah, and um, she actually does that quite a bit more on the second record, uh, Portishead, 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 the self-titled <laughs> record. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you get little hints of it here, but yeah, she she really starts doing that a lot more in the in the second record and and third to an extent too. Um, yeah, it is a little bit of a different style, but yeah, you don't you don't see it too much on this record, but you'll see it a lot more if you keep moving on, which I highly recommend you do. The if if, if you guys like this record. Uh, I think you'll absolutely like the self-titled because it's um, it's basically it, I would say it's twelve songs cut from the same bolt of cloth, and then third is a little bit more experimental. Um, but I have a feeling most people would end up liking that too if they like Dummy. 
is this song where uh, Lars Ulrich got the snare sound for St. Anger? Uh, yeah, actually, it is kind of similar now that I think about it. It's pretty good. <laughs> Sounds a little bit like trash cans. <laughs> so I think now might be a good time to let the audience in on a little secret, right? So we're, we've come up with a, a way to figure out how we determine the next uh, album that we wish to review, one that we've never touched upon. And so the premise of this is that we're all going to provide, be providing ratings on this particular album. And I, I don't believe, I guess before I, I state my piece, do you guys have your ratings picked out for, for each of us? Is, is it a done yeah. deal? All I got to do is click send. Okay. Same with you, Josh. Is that safe to say? Because I hate to like show my hand, so to speak. Well, so are we all sending each other emails or? No, no. It's going to be a text at the end of the show. Oh, sure. we all text at the same time? Yes. Okay. Quite childish, like, okay, no, you go. Wait, no, you go. And we just hit one, three, two, one, boom. Okay, so so we're texting. So let me make sure I understand this right. So we're texting. So our rating, which is one to 10, 10 being the highest with one decimal point. And then we're also texting what we think the total cumulative would be between the three of us. Right? Correct. And whoever nails it gets to pick the next record. Okay, so there's going to be two numbers in my text, my rating and then what I think the cumulative rating is. Which, which I'm glad I didn't come up with this ahead of time because, uh, I mean, as we're going through the uh, through the record here, I have a feeling Joey's number's pretty low. <laughs> oh, man. You have a competitive advantage because, yeah, I got mine all pegged, and I think I already got Joey way too high. Oh, geez. <laughs> all right. But, yeah, yeah, we'll um, we'll do that right when we uh, – uh, we've got, what, four more tracks to go, and then, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and do that and see what the next record's going to be. And I've already got mine picked out. Oh, I cannot wait when I till I win this. Yeah. I mean, high stakes, gentlemen. <laughs> In the future, though, I think the idea is going to be randomized from, like, the Rolling Stone top 500 of all time, like, Pitchfork Media's top albums of all time, Spin's top albums of all time, and recommendations from our listeners that we do not have yet. Right now, I'm sure our listeners are just going to be our friends and our parents, so they can recommend stuff to us. <laughs> Sounds good. Come on, listenership. But we are also open to ideas, and we want this to be a conversation with like-minded music fans, as long as you're able to and love to talk about music like we do. Fair enough. All righty. So next, we got Rhodes. Where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, roads was the, you know, I had only, you know, Angela played me this one song, Roads by Portishead, and that was just a jumping off point. I've been listening to this band a ton ever since. Um, absolutely love everything about it. Of course, uh, Beth's voice is unbelievable. I love how it builds up. You know, it's just starting off with that nice little keyboard part, and then you slowly bring in Adrian Utley on the guitar, and then you get the string section going. It builds up, builds up, builds up, and then they break it back down at the end, back down to just keyboards and her voice, and absolutely excellent. This is this is one of those songs where, yeah, the, the, I mean, the, everything's coming. I guess it's not as, you know, there's not as many layers as like Glory Box or Wandering Star or anything like that, but like, I love this song. I mean, this is my, by far my favorite Portishead song. Top note, my jam, easy favorite. Oh, wow, really? You agreed, Joe. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can see how I could just hear this one song and be like, I need to hear this record. Right. Because, yeah, it's amazing. You touched Admittedly, on it. 
Um, go ahead, Joey. Sorry about that. Oh, I was going to say you touched on it. That Rhodes piano at the beginning is so choice, as Ferris Bueller would say. It's oh, just the way it pulsates in that really cool like three over four rhythm that it does. It's just really cool. Like it's it's really weird to like be able to bob your head to just a, a Rhodes piano playing, but it's absolutely stellar. Admittedly, this is the grower track for me. It It's very slow to start. It's held up, propped up by her beautiful voice, and her voice does come through. Uh, either of you guys familiar with the uh, nose flute? <laughs> Any chance? No? no? It's an instrument. Like, don't they do that, like, legit in, like, Africa, where they have, like, a recorder that they play through their nose? So wild, wild stuff, right? So the engineer on this album, Dave McDonald, he plays the notes flute on this song. Right before we aired, I listened to it out of this song, I don't know, probably about 10 times, just trying to pick out where the notes flute comes into the song. I couldn't Nine figure it out. Times. Nine times. So what had happened is uh, I went to YouTube. It's like, I got to see this instrument. And it kind of looks like a, like a wild uh, coronavirus mask or whatever, you know. It's it's nuts. I seen a, a couple doing like a, uh, Africa by Toto. I'm gonna share with you guys when this when this Zoom uh, adjourns. The showing adjourns, but it, it was pretty cool stuff, and I can't pick it out with my ear. My ear's not that refined to hear the nose flute, but it's in that it's in there somewhere. God, I wish I would have known to listen to that ahead of time. <laughs> like an Easter egg hunt. Maybe someone could point it out for me. Fans, that's where you come in. Tell us where the <laughs> nose flute on roads is. Please. I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep listening to this song. Plus, it's a good song. I might be counting on you, Chris the Elder from Blue Album Battle, to help me with this one because I know you guys. Had recently reviewed this album, and I think you could do it. If anybody can do it, it's you. Hashtag Blue Album Battle. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Joe was not crazy about pedestal. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot lots of samples going on. <laughs> so, so my notes. I'm, I hate relying on my notes because it makes me feel like I don't have any independent thoughts. But I go follow roads. How can anything? Can anything follow roads? <laughs> That's just like a losing battle. I don't. I don't think Stairway to Heaven can follow roads. Then the song doesn't have any guitar on it. Like the pedestal is just probably the worst song in the album to me. Agreed. Yep. I don't like how she says the word miracle. It's miracle. You know, just <laughs> simple pronunciation thing. Like that's an irritating thing. And then like like I was saying. Uh, you know, earlier in this this podcast episode, it just seemed like the most structured. I mean, the the jazz beat that comes in with the horns it's it's the least adventurous song of them all. By this point in my head, I was kind of feeling done with the album. But dot dot dot. Then we have biscuits, which is a much better start. We still got that Rhodes piano at the beginning which is just so cool, but the samples blow again. 
Ah, uh, one man's opinion. I like the sample. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of the uh, the Johnny Ray, you know, repetition near the end, and they say like bum bum bum. That's coming through. Dun 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. I actually don't mind that sample. The yeah, the never falling in love on loop. That's it's not my favorite song either. It's probably actually behind pedestal my least, second least favorite song. But um, nonetheless, these are, these are still fairly decent songs. The cool part about that Johnny Ray sample is they slowed it down to sixteen beats per minute to be able to get it to fit in that place, and yeah. it was just kind of a happy accident. I love stuff like that because I'm a musician. So being able just to kind of have this idea that in your head that you're like, it might work. Maybe. I don't know. Let's just give it a shot and see what happens. And somehow it ended up working. That's kind of cool. Even if it's not my favorite thing in the world, that there's a lot of people that aren't me that really, really like that. Yeah. Why is that song called Biscuit? Like a lot of these songs, I don't understand why they're called what they're called. Yeah, that, that was part of my struggle because even though I've listened to this album a million times, I don't often pay attention to track titles. So, yeah, like if you would have asked me, you know, just a week ago, like, what song is Strangers? And they're like, I don't know. Like, you know, oh, track three? Yeah, I, I, I've got that in my head. But like, I, I was not putting names with the songs until this week. Yeah, I mean, Pedestal, Biscuit, Strangers. Actually, they actually do say Strangers and Strangers, I believe. Um, they do. But yeah, I, I, I had a little trouble with that as well. And I don't mind Biscuit. I think Biscuit is excellent. It's, you know, similar to a lot of the other tracks on the record. I don't, I definitely don't mind the Johnny Ray sample. I think it's, I think it's cool. I don't mind the wiki, wiki, wikis. <laughs> when done tastefully, right? Yes. They can even go overboard with the wiki, wiki, wikis. I'm still good. <laughs> I, I recently learned about this website. It's called Who Sampled. Yes. And it basically gives you a direct link to the original sample in a million like different songs. Like I was looking up Odelay by Beck and it takes me, it takes you literally to the sample. Like there's, there was a song that literally has two turntables and a microphone. I had no idea that existed. Like my mind was so blown. Like stuff that I thought was pure Beck were samples. It is very powerful stuff. That is a rabbit hole that has no bottom to it. If you want to just lose hours, by all means, you could just sink into that and yeah, be blown away. I'm sorry, what's I've been there too. Who sampled? All right, I'm checking that out after this episode. I mean, that so you know, I've made playlists off of Beastie Boys, like just Beastie Boys samples, right? And it goes dozens deep, and plethora of knowledge is, is right there, fingertips. These are ones that go both ways, ACDCs. Of course, we knew that was a sample. But now I know where it's from. The and it's really know. bizarre to hear it in its original orientation. I suppose it'd probably be fun to do that for this record because there are a lot of samples. Have any, have Johnny, have you done that? I did not. I did not. I picked out some of the more popular song samples, ones that I liked, right? Like, so the spaghetti western sample that comes straight from a Bond movie. Um, yeah, just stumbled upon that. But so I, I don't know. There's not any samples on this album that I love to the point where it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be inspired to just check out the original. I have other bands where the sampling is, it takes me to that level, but uh, this band really didn't give me that vibe. Like 
like when the Beastie Boys sampled the Beatles. Like obscure stuff. Yeah, deeper stuff. Um, stuff touching genres that I usually don't touch, right? Like classic rap and something I'd want to get more familiar, familiar to. Yeah, one cool thing about that site is it tells you other places that these samples have been used in. That's right. It goes both ways, right? Like the sample comes from this. This is the origin, and this is where else it's gone out to. Right. So, yeah, you get lots of like public enemy and stuff that is well out of my wheelhouse that we just might get a chance to actually listen to and review for this particular podcast, our Here 30 podcast, which I think would be so fun. I want to branch out. I want to be able to listen to and learn new stuff. That's the whole point of this exercise for me. That's the objective for me too, buddy. Yeah, buddy. That's exciting. And that, that's why I had to explore some Massive Attack this week because I, I already knew this record. So I still wanted to explore. And so I did. All right. So we got the final track now. We got some Glory Box action. I like favorites. this one a ton. Yeah. This, is, I, I, yeah. Go ahead. This, this is one of my favorites got guitar solos why do you like it joshy uh yeah yeah mainly the presence of adrian utley's guitar like it, it you know yeah he, he's he's on a lot of other tracks but i don't know this this one it's it's definitely more pronounced um it has you know glory box has all of the elements that make this record awesome uh it's another one of those you know songs where i think that they're at the top of their game and it totally made sense that they released it as a single um, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but uh, they, at least uh, per the all music listing, uh, they actually credit uh, the people that they took samples from. So Isaac Hayes is the uh, big sample. Author I noticed that as well. Yep. Yeah, Same guy who brought you chocolate salty balls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also brings classic. you Glory Box to an extent. <laughs> and her lyrics. I, I love that. Give me a reason to love you. Give me a reason to be a woman. I just want to be a woman. That's a great line. Yep. Yep. I find her lyrics in this particular song very playful, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, teasy in in a sense. I hate how she says the word temptress. It's not a three-syllable temptress, but whatever. That's small potatoes in general. I I think it's a real pretty song, too. It's like invisible touch, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Phil Collins. What's up with that? I always thought it was invisible touch, uh, but he's, I guess he's saying, touch, yeah. yeah, I didn't invisible, know that. Invisible touche. <laughs> there, there you go. I don't know. I'm not, not a big fan of people adding syllables. But so, that's yeah, right. Like, that, that song doesn't, if you were to make it tempers, if you were to sing it beautifully, like she tends to do, the Beth Gibbons thing, it's, it, Tempress would not work. So you have to kind of throw in uh, the creative license there. Don't listen to Pearl Jam then, because Eddie's the king of finding ways to make words fit where they shouldn't. But I, I can't resist. I, I love that band, too. Appreciate it more and more as the years go by. Did you guys notice the theme on this record of she used flowers lyrics a lot? There was a couple uses of the word rose, and she uses the word flower in this song. Did not pick that out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't pick that up either. Now that you mentioned it, for sure. Well, I guess we're going to have to cancel this episode and start over so that way you guys can pick up on the flower words next time. We'll be more ready than the next take. <laughs> so we've kind of went through all the songs on the record in exhausting detail. <laughs> we might want to find a way to narrow that down a little bit next time, but I just fucking love talking about this shit, so I don't care if we go into exhausting detail. If you guys 
the fans, I mean, like the exhaustive detail, let us know. We love to do it. We just want to talk. We want to be entertaining. We want to talk. So my gut tells me that you may be the odd man out on this one, Joey. Like, did this meet expectations, fall short of expectations? I doubt it exceeded expectations, but I'd love to hear it from you. Um, so coming into it, I knew this album had great expectations. You know, like I've seen this song, this considered a, a top album of all time. So I, my expectations were pretty high. So I, I suppose to an extent, I would say I was a little disappointed with the, with the album, but I'm not going to say I disliked it. You know, I, I enjoyed it. I listened to it a lot. The songs I like, I will absolutely repeat I'll even listen to it as a whole because I do feel like this album works as a whole, even if it does get boring at times to me. Yeah. So I've kind of, I've kind of already showed my cards uh, in this whole <laughs> band, but um, I guess I just want to reiterate that if uh, if the listeners do like Dummy, absolutely check out everything else they've ever done. Like I said, Third's a little bit more experimental. Um, kind of move away from trip hop sound a little bit, but um, the self title that came out three years uh, later, it's it's basically the I'm not gonna say it's the same record, but it's very very similar. You would absolutely love it. Um, so yeah, I, I would encourage anyone to uh, explore the rest of their stuff. And uh, once again, uh, check out the uh, the uh, uh, Ro- Roseland concert on uh, on YouTube because that's that's uploaded as of right now. The whole thing. I will certainly subscribe. I will be um, among that, that crew. I, I like the first one a lot, and I will be listening to second and third. And, you know, I think a lot of where our our voyage is going to take us is is doing com- compare contrast, right? Like, I like thinking about where we've come from. Like, uh, Joey, we got to meet you in about, what was it, like 96, 97, like that era. So I like to think of, like, what we were into then, what we're into now. I mean – those those aren't even close to like the same people anymore. Like this 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 type of music would get rejected in a heartbeat uh, at, at that level. But something to where my ears are now, it's it's very uh, pleasing. So I suppose we need to go through and do some rankings. Do you guys agree? Well, right. definitely. So we're sending off our texts right now, then. Yes, oh. Joey. I think you sent yours directly to me as opposed. To I did. I fixed that. All right. All right. I, yeah, I got to I gotta send mine. Uh, I, knew I, I knew I was doomed from the start. I don't think I'll be picking out the next one. Oh, I was just going to put my reading and then the total. No, no. I, yeah, yeah. Like single mouth for all three of us. So I was itemized. Okay. This might be a so, flawed method, but who cares? Whatever we pick is good regardless. There's yeah. no wrong answer. Okay. So you've yeah, got mine. I just cannot uh, wait to make you guys listen to Yanni at the Acropolis next week. I, I it's totally going to be so good. <laughs> <laughs> I totally overshot you, Joe. <laughs> I I noticed. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry, I should have had mine queued up earlier. No, I, yeah, I, I promise I didn't look at your guys' results. I did receive both of them, but I just, you know, kept my head down and put put out what I thought would really come out there. Oh, John, you gave it a nine one, eh? My goodness, I was ex- yeah, evidently uh I was ecstatic about, I thought we'd all be ecstatic about this one. And, and uh, yeah, and that's, that's funny that Joe, okay, so. So, so I gave it a 6.8. I don't think a 6.8 is a bad score. Anything above an eight is exceptional. And I think this is a very good record. It's just not in my normal wheelhouse. 
I, I think that's what it comes down to. So I think for good air, we should probably share what these scores were. So, um, yeah, I, I thought both Joey and I thought that Josh would give it a 9-8. And his is up there for sure, 9-2, highest among the three of us. Um, I had myself pegged as a 9-1 on this album. Um, similarly, uh, Joey had me way up there at about an 8-6. And then, uh, yeah, that's, that's crazy. So we got another commonality there too, right? So Josh had me at eight, six as well too. So there's like a ballpark, I'd say. And then Joey's is more across the board there. I think that's where I overshot you the words. I had you at about eight on this album, whereas Josh had Joe at about seven, one. And as Joe mentioned, he's got himself pegged for six, eight. So to me, Joe it seems the- like Josh is closest. Would you agree? I would agree. I, I don't think we need to crunch the numbers to the, the minutiae of it all. I think Josh had the, the closest. So da, 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 da. Well, here, here's the thing, though. I do feel a little bit guilty because I was the one that proposed Dummy as the Dummy episode uh, album. Uh, so, it's you know, I've kind of already had my turn. Um, I guess if you guys want to hear what I was thinking and then, you know, I'd be OK if you guys just want to run with one of your ideas instead for next week, since I, I kind of got to do this one. But um, the album that I want to do um, is uh, the specials by the specials. Oh, we're going, yeah, yeah, we're going Sky Revival, uh, yeah, 1979. I've heard a couple tracks. I think I've listened to the album once, and it was years ago. John, I think I've heard them also once. That's actually like the time frame. And that's a band based out of the UK. Am I? Am I yeah, mistaken? I, I love my British bands. Yeah, but you, <laughs> well, you're preaching to the choir, right? Like the whole late 70s, early 80s, you know, uh, XTC, uh, Ruts scene, Stranglers. Um, Stranglers. That's 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 my cup of tea, too. So I, I like your choice. So are I'm we good doing the self-titled specials record? I'm totally game. I've never listened to it once. So I just know it's that ska music. So I'm going to be doing some skanking this week. <laughs> There's one oh, very notable song I, I I can't put my finger on. I wouldn't know the name of it. I'm hoping that song's on the album. That's a ween song. I can't put my finger on it. It's a ween song, John. It is. Um, so the song that you're probably thinking of, because the um, basically there's only one song that I know of from that record that that's pretty popular, and that's a uh, message to you, Rudy, which is track one. Okay. Um, Wasn't there a song on DDR from the specials? Yes. Yes. Uh, that was a uh, little bitch, which is track thirteen off of the specials. The specials. So. So yeah, there are a couple tracks that uh, you might be a little familiar with, um, but I don't know. I thought it'd be a really good way to go. Um, you know, probably a, a super interesting record, and it's been a long time since I listened to it, so I think I think it's gonna be a good way to go. I mean, like I said, I, I got to choose the last record, so if you guys want to do something else, I'm cool with that. But otherwise, it's gonna be the specials by the specials, their debut self-titled record. You won fair and square, Joshy. You know well, us better. Unfair than because I got to hear you talk about the record before deciding what you would give it a review. You know, I, I should have. Yeah, it was a little unfair. I should have had my numbers in before we started talking. No, you're good. all right. I'm green lighting that choice too. That works. We got some homework, fellas. Yeah, I'll be listening to that tomorrow. Oh, back to work. What a what a drag. What a drag it is. So I think that's probably a good wrap for the podcast, guys. What do you think? Yeah, that's that's the show. Alrighty, so we, we've signed up on some social media, so if you hear this and you want to 
get a hold of us in any way, feel free. We are the here 30 podcast at gmail.com. You can email us or we have an Instagram at the same thing. And we have a Facebook at the same thing here, 30 podcasts. And this is Joe, Josh and John signing off until next week where we listen to the special self-titled album. Peace out guys. Later fellas. Peace.